Welcome to Women's Hot Topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Shug Burry. What happened if you say what you want to say? Friends, Sid Burry here with Women's Hot Topics. You know, one of the topics I hear about from other women is, Suge, how many kids should I have? Well, honey, between you and me and the Lord, that's for you to pray and to give it to him. But I was really thinking in my head, my shenanigan head, have as many as you can. I tell you, they're just such a blessing. But seriously, what is the right amount of kids? What does scripture say about it? What about your spouse? What does your spouse think about children and how many you should have? In today's society, when it's tough to make ends meet, where right is wrong and wrong is right, raising a family is no easy task. And so I want you to listen in to this couple that I have invited to come on this show. Later, I had run across them on social media, and out of the blue, they popped up on my reels that I have on Facebook. I absolutely fell in love with them. And I kept waiting to see it again, see it again. And then I decided to subscribe, which was obviously the right thing to do. And I got to know them, their family. I kind of feel like a stalker. I know it sounds terrible, but I am a grandma wannabe. Most of you know that who've been listening to our show. I want to have grandchildren. It's definitely not going to be happening in our family. So I love to just see those cute little faces and I want to give them kisses. Um, and this is a family you've got to follow and you've got to watch. Let me introduce them to you. Welcome, Ariel and Michael Tyson. Thanks so, for having us on. Yeah, I'm so glad you're on. Um, let me tell you a little bit about their background, if I may. Ariel and Michael have been married for 16 years. And get this, they have seven children, seven beautiful children on earth and one blessed child in heaven. Another one is due in February. And of course, all of their followers are on the edge of their seats waiting to see if it's going to be a girl or a boy. They met at Liberty University while pursuing their undergraduate degrees. Michael has a BS in biblical studies and Ariel has a BS in communication studies. Isn't that ironic? She's got a great social media following. Ariel has her master's degree in counseling field, and Michael will soon have his master's in Christian ministries from Liberty, Liberty, what's wrong with my lips? Are they not moving today? Liberty University, Rollins School of Divinity. Michael is an inspirational leader who is passionate about seeing others connect more deeply with their God-given purpose. He has been preaching since 2000 and has been a pastor since 2006. Michael is an author, entrepreneur, coach and former college athlete who likes to try and stay athletic enough to compete with his soon-to-be eight children. Oh, that's a workout right there. Together, Michael and Ariel have started two churches, founded several businesses, and continue to grow in their personal faith in Jesus daily. In Michael's free time, he likes to learn new skills, build things, and be outdoors, hunt, play sports, play music, and train boys to be men. And that really is on my heart. We need to train our sons to be men. Way to go, Michael. He is a graduate of the Woodstock Church Planting School and has his certificate from the Stephen Olford School of Expository Preaching. Ariel, 
on the other. And look at this couple. They're just like super couple. Ariel was a college professor for undergraduate counseling courses for Liberty University for nine years before pursuing her career as a social media content creator, where she has built a community on both Instagram and TikTok, along with Michael on their YouTube channel. Totally and over, listen to this, friends, 3.5 million followers. And they have one more in me and hopefully in you. She has written the book, Chase the Roar, Becoming Faith Chasers in an American Dream Culture. While working from home, Ariel homeschooled her children for six and a half years before they began attending a private Christian school last year, where they are excelling. They're loving it. While serving in these fields, she has also been a pastor's wife, started two teen girl ministries and two kids ministries, and has been a lay counselor within the church. Together, Michael and Ariel have also written the children's book, Jack and the Fantastical Circus. Now, we're going to talk about that in a bit because I read it. It was adorable. The illustrations are beautiful. And they love being part of sports with their kids and being active together. So, woo, you two are busy. I mean, you are not only that, then you got a pile of kids on top of it. Um, tell us just a little about a little about your family. What are the ages of the kids and what are their names? Uh, so our oldest is he goes by Kale, but he's actually Michael Tyson the fifth because he's the fourth. Stab oh, the really? Okay. He goes by Kale, so like the second half of Michael. He is twelve. And then we have uh, Gabriel, he goes by Gabe, he's 11. Uh, Judah just turned 10 on Sunday. Happy and birthday. Then, yep, and then Levi is eight, and Zion is six, Ari is three, and Mila just turned two in December. So. Two already, man. Yes. Yes. And you're going to be soon to be another child, February 17th, is that what your due date yeah, is? Yeah, that's my due date, yep. I love it. I love it. And you got a brand new dog, Thaddeus, who's yes. just scrumptious, such an adorable uh, little yeah. dog. Now you did on one of your posts that you have been pregnant probably for six years total, if you add it all together. Is that accurate? Yep. It's probably, I guess it's a little over that now. <laughs> a couple more months over that now. Well, you don't even look pregnant. You looked beautiful oh. and fabulous. And I hope that your pregnancy is going well. I'm hiding it. <laughs> yeah, you're hiding it. Um, so again, I'm sorry about the loss of your first child, but really I want to bring it up because it really adds to your faith story and how God has blessed you guys. Uh, you received bad news from the doctor. Please share with us what that was and what's happened since. Yeah. Um, so we miscarried our first, I was about two months along and through that we, I had an ultrasound and they were like, something is going on with your uterus. Um, we don't really know, but we're going to do some tests. And I went through months and months of different tests, MRI and HSG, where they like shoot dye up and try to look. And the doctor couldn't figure it out. She finally sent me to a reproductive endocrinologist. And so during this time, she's like, well, we don't know, but there's a 90% chance because of how bad my uterus looked that I wouldn't be able to carry a child. So we had even, um, back then we, I mean, we'd all, we've always been open to adoption. That's always been something that's on our hearts. So even back then we were like, okay, well that would, might be the next step. And it was, it's okay, you know? Um, but then I went to a reproductive endocrinologist and I had a uterine septum that lined 90% of my uterus. So 
there was only 10% of an area where a baby could implant. Um, but she is one of the uh, top ones in the entire country for this, one of the original doctors that started this surgery. And um, it hadn't been invented for very long at this point. Uh, but she went in and did a surgery to remove it. And I ended up, that was in June, and I ended up getting pregnant actually with her now oldest that August. So we found out that we were pregnant with him on the due date of our first. Yes. <clears throat> and um, that is just a one of many faith stories and how God worked things out. There's so much more to that story, uh, but it definitely began specifically something in our kids, uh, in, in our faith in having kids, uh, not our faith in having kids, but our faith in God when it pertained to our kids, how many we had or how many we didn't have. Um, but what a miracle. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. It is a miracle. I love how God was able to restore and heal you in such a way that you could have these great kids. Um, and if you hear a little chewing in the background, friends, that's Thaddeus, their little puppy. I love dogs, so we're going to leave him in this voice. And when oh. we hear him, I love him. He's so adorable. Every time I hear a little chew, I'm reminded that he's there and give him a little pet for me when the time comes. Um, so that breaks my heart that you lost a child, but then also you've been blessed with all these kids. Um, before I get to that, I'm just going to tell you, I know a lot of people ask you, um, how many kids are you going to have? Uh, how did you decide how many kids you want to have? But me as a wannabe grandma, I'm going to say, keep having them. You guys are great parents. You're such a blessing to this world. And as the world follows you guys with your kids and your kids are just adorable, uh, we need to have a good family virtues, which is what, of course, your book is talking about, um, that we're going to talk about in a little bit. So uh, before that, let me ask you this question. How did you both come to faith in Christ? Well, uh, my dad's a pastor. And because of that, out of his faithfulness, I was in church every single time that there was anybody in church. <laughs> um, I knew all the Bible stories. I paid attention well. I was interested in learning about Jesus and the Bible. And I knew that God loved me. And I thought that I loved him. The right thing to do for a Christian is to tell other people about God's grace. And so I started doing that. Um, there was a neighbor that I had at the time in Newport, Tennessee. His name was Sam. And one day in April, I started telling him about Jesus. Hey, Sam, Jesus is awesome. And, and I started trying to share the knowledge that I had. And in the middle of me attempting to share all the knowledge I had about Jesus with Sam, the spirit of God convicted me that I knew all about him, but I didn't know it. Mm. And so in the middle of me sharing somebody else's faith, because it wasn't mine, the spirit of God convicted me. And I remember having this battle with my, within me of all the excuses. Well, just wait, just wait. Cause what's Sam going to think if you stop in the middle and say, well, hold on just a second. I just, I just led myself to Jesus because the spirit convicted me. Um, or, uh, you know, well, of course you're a Christian. Why would you share your faith if you weren't? I mean, come on this. Praise the Lord. I instantly said, yes, I want to make that decision to turn my life over to Jesus. And so I did. And, uh, that's when I was born again in that moment. Mm -hmm. 
So my story starts actually several years before I actually got saved. Um, and when I was in kindergarten, my mom picked me up from kindergarten one day and the kindergarten teacher was like, Ariel made a decision. She asked Jesus into her heart today. My mom was like, that's so great. And so I went through the whole baptism process with the church and everything. And to this day, I still do not remember that day. I don't remember ever making a decision myself. I don't remember that moment. Um, but I had all the right answers for the baptism, got baptized and struggled with that for years and years. And then when I was 12, um, I was with my youth group and we went to a dare to share youth conference. We were learning all day how to share Jesus with other people. And then, um, I realized I didn't have that myself and there was no way for me to actually share that. And so that night, um, at 12 years old, they asked if anybody wanted to come down and make a decision. And I wrestled with it because I was like, well, this is embarrassing. Like everybody thinks I've been saved already. I think I've been saved already. I don't want to go down in front of thousands of people. Um, but I did, I got up and I went. And when I was 12 is when I made a decision, um, to ask Jesus to be the Lord of my whole life. And then, um, I actually, wrestled with the whole baptism thing for another 10 years because I said, well, I, I was baptized, but it was pre-salvation. And then my um, parents were like, well, you were baptized. You made a decision now that was a rededication. And I'm like, no, like that was actually when I made that decision. Um, and so when we were probably like engaged or early married, um, we talked a lot about it and he never pushed me because it had to be my decision. Uh, so when I was 22 years old, Michael was on staff at a church. And so I felt very embarrassed. I had made the decision to get baptized, but it was hard for me because um, it had been so many years since I had gotten saved. And I just felt like everybody was looking at me, but I knew I was doing the right thing. And the peace that I felt after obeying finally, after all of those years was amazing. The enemy will use any excuse, and sometimes they'll seem legitimate, but most often those excuses for every act of obedience has something to do with other people mm -hmm. and what we think they might think or mm -hmm. might not think. But the reality is in Ariel's obedience and baptism, all that that has served for is an inspiration and an opportunity for healthy conviction and never mm -hmm. for condemnation. Mm -hmm. Amen. You know, my husband and I, uh, after we had two kids, you know, both went to a very traditional church when we were younger. And like you said, you know, it's got to go from your head to your heart. And we both decided uh, when we were in our 20s to get baptized together, even though we had been baptized as infants. But we learned and we told the kids, we said, we've learned something new that God showed us in the Bible. And we are going to follow that. Uh, maybe if it's even against what, you know, my, my parents weren't too excited about it. But then, and they get it now. They got baptized in their 80s. I love that. So you're never too late to get baptized. Amen. I love it. Okay. So um, thank you for sharing your faith walk and your faith story. Do you have a scripture verse that really speaks to you? Yeah. Um, so, so many times in the Bible, God reminds us to not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Move forward. Why? Because he is with us. When we act in obedience and follow him, it's the safest place we could ever be. So it's not necessarily one verse. It's that thing for me is the reminder, don't be afraid. Uh, just keep your eyes on what matters most, and that's serving Jesus. It's all about Jesus. 
And as you do that, he's with us. So that's for me. My favorite verse, which is what I sign my books with, is Isaiah 40, 31. Um, for those who wait on the Lord will rise up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary and they will walk and not faint. And so often I will try to do it all on my own and just run, 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 run. And um, just the reminder to rely on Christ and that he can take me on wings like eagles. So that's always, that's just my verse that I love to share with people. I love that. I love that. Okay. So let's get into the social media content if I can. Um, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of parents are frustrated with social media because it's not showing godly images. It's not glorifying God, but your channels really do. Could you share with our listeners where they can find you on social media? Yeah. On Instagram for me, mine is at Ariel C Tyson. And then Michael's is Michael E. Tyson IV, because he's the fourth. And then um, we on TikTok, it's at Ariel C. Tyson right now, but it will say like Ariel and Michael Tyson as the cover for that. Um, and then on YouTube, we're at the Tysons. I love it. And we, we're going to post all those. If you're following us on YouTube, which I hope you will be, but I know most of you listen on podcast, uh, we're going to link that down below. If you come to our website, we'll have that posted there as well. Our website is himforher.org. H-I-M for him, number four, her, which is women out there, .org on women's hot topics. And please come to our website, check it out, donate, help us, um, help us bring more shows like this to you. Uh, but again, thank you for coming on. Now back to our guests. I'm so excited about having you two here. Um, how did you come to start the social media? Why did you do that? I guess I'll share that story because um, I was teaching for Liberty University online for years, um, and I was looking to do some kind of business on the side, something that could generate some extra income. We were living in Bozeman, Montana, which is very expensive, and he was on a pastor's salary. So I was looking at those options. So I started doing um, some business, and through that, I actually got training for social media. And so just like what to post, um, how to post, how often, when, just basics like that. And so I started posting. Um, through that, I got to know some other content creators who talked with me about um, collaborations and working with brands and businesses. And I was like, wow, like there is an actual other income available here. I didn't really even realize. Um, I started with a thousand followers. They were just friends and family, like from college, from everywhere I've lived. And, um, I started that in March of 2018. Um, and then by January of 2019, I had 13,000. So it was like, it was not one post. It was very slow growing a little bit at a time. Um, and then between that January and the next, um, in that fall, I had gone from 13,000 to 50. And then um, I went up to a uh, hundred thousand by the end of that year. So wow, growth was from like October to the end of December. Um, and what was what was the catalyst that you say shifted that? Yeah, I actually was just praying and asking God, like, what do you want me to do with social media? How do you want me to serve people to reach people? And He said, the fact that you are a mom to all boys. And the things that you hear and the way that you can connect with people who have kids of all of the same gender, 
And that's kind of where it started. I just was sharing with people who were moms of all boys and moms of all girls, because they were hearing the comments that basically they didn't have both genders, so they weren't worthy or they didn't have this. And so really just encouraging them in that and obviously sharing our faith as well through that. But that was kind of our, that was my main thing that really just took us to the next level as far as reaching another audience. I love that. You know, I know some of the things that are on your heart is to raise your kids in the world, but not raise them um, to be of the world. And I know that that's in the hearts of a lot of parents out there. And you've got all those boys and one beautiful young girl. Can you share with us, Michael, let's start with you. Can you share with us some tips or suggestions on what you do to raise godly men in your home and a woman? The most important thing, absolutely the most important thing, is faith is caught, not taught. Now, mm. that doesn't mean that you shouldn't teach, but... If you're not growing, if you're not sharing your own faith journey with your kids, they will never have their own. Now, I say never. Everybody's got their own decisions to make, but you won't be the inspiration for it. It'll be in spite of you. So you can take your kids to church. You can tell them what's what the Bible says about stuff. But if they never see you growing, if they never see you struggling with decisions, hard things, and sharing that with them, how, how are they going to follow you? How are they going to be discipled by you? Uh, that's the most important thing in my view is to see fathers from a father's perspective um, lead in the right direction. And statistically, I, was, I love statistics, and this is where I get talking too much, but I'll be quick about this. <clears throat> when a father, when, when there's a family and no one's a Christian, and the father is the first one to become a Christian, statistically, 93% of the time, the mom and the kids also accept Christ. Wow. And uh, for the mother and the children, when they're the first ones, that percentage is completely flipped. So, men, whether you want to be or not, you are leading. And so you might as well lead in the right direction. And the hardest person to lead isn't your kids, is not the people you work with, it's yourself. And <clears throat> if you can grow, then you can be an inspiration to those that are around you. That's that's the most important thing. Yeah. Um, when I had, we had all little, little ones. I had a mom of a bigger family tell me that someone told her when she had just little ones that she was raising adults, future adults and not raising kids. And she said that made my perspective be so different. Like I'm raising these future adults. I'm not just raising kids to be kids long-term. Um, and I know that like when we were planting a church in Montana, like I, I would hear it. We get flack for having the kids involved with us with church and serving in ministry with us. They'd be like, well, why don't you just go home? It's too much work. Why don't you just go home and have lunch? Like your kids don't need to be here. We would just set up and tear down at a school. And, um, but I'm like, no, I know it's a lot more work and it's a lot harder, but they need to be here and they need to be a part of it with us because serving as a family is it makes all the difference for us. So it goes along with what he's saying, but it's just, that was like the practical side of having our kids be totally involved in all that we were doing for Christ too. The second thing 
that I would add to that after modeling growth and modeling following Jesus yourself is that your kids grow the most in the ordinary moments of life, not the extraordinary events. Mm. And so how you live today is how you will spend your life. It's so easy as a parent to feel like, oh, I'm going to invest in my kids in the big moments. And that's what they're going to remember the most. And that's going to have the greatest impact, um, whether it's taking them on a vacation or taking them mm -hmm. on a retreat. But the things that are going to have the biggest impact is just the ordinary daily things. Yeah. Uh, today, for example, I was taking the kids to school and we were we were late. And <laughs> um, my second oldest was like, well, are you worried about us making it there on time? Because if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And that's something all the time. He, he says it all the time and they're just hearing it. And so just in this little thing of life, I'm like, wow, you're reminding me. Yes. <laughs> if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. And that was a good example of the everyday moment of life that he was learning that, that thing. And you're helping your kids walk in their faith as well. There was one interview you did, uh, one video, loved it, where all the kids were there. It was you and the kids, Ariel. And you asked them a question about what they want to be in the future. And almost every kid said, a pastor, a pastor, a pa no, I want to be a you know, fireman or I don't know, but a pastor, you know, they all, they all came back to pastors. So that's really the example that you guys are leaving your kids, that it's fun to be a pastor, that it's a blessing to be a pastor. I remember on another post you had made, um, you, I think it was written. I can't remember. I've seen so many, but it was a written comment that said the kids are looking forward to marriage because of the example that you've given your, your kids. So I think that's just such a blessing. Um, let's talk a little bit about numbers of kids. A lot of women ask me, how many kids should I have? Like I had mentioned earlier, how many is too many? How many is not enough? What type, of, I know you get that all the time, but what type of response do you give them about your beautiful large family? Well, okay, when we first got married, in my mind, so I'm the oldest of four and he's the oldest of five. And in my mind, like we were probably gonna have around four to five because that seemed normal to me. Um, and then as we obviously went through that situation early on and then um, our first two are only 14 months apart. And so obviously our second was a, a surprise. I, I say a surprise, but <laughs> obviously God knew that he was coming. And um, through all of that, we just started just taking it one at a time and welcoming the blessings that God gave us one at a time. And when people used to ask, how many kids do you want? We would say all of them, all the ones we're supposed to have. Oh, that's a good answer. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. We have never once um, stated a number of how yeah. many kids we want. And I think the biggest lesson from for me personally out of our miscarriage that God began to teach me, but took me a few kids to kind of really understand and grasp is we call it birth control because we want to be in control. And this is not a theological standpoint on birth control at all this was a personal conviction and how I had entrusted every area of my life to God except how many kids we had and when um 
and I wanted to be in control. And then, I, and then when I felt like I was ready, I expected God to bless us. And I was deeply convicted about that. That was a personal area of my life and a personal faith step that I had to take in trusting God. I love that. I love that. You're trusting God in all of this. Um, so I think the advice you'd give to parents probably would be allow God to choose how many kids you're going to have. Is that right? Well, I think the most important thing is don't make it about the kids. What are your potential idols? What's, what's holding you up? Is it fear? Are you afraid for some reason? Um, is it selfishness? What are those holdups to having more kids? This is not a more spirit, more kids is more spiritual thing. Mm -hmm. We, um, so it's also not a, um, our personal view is not that it's the most spiritual or most biblical thing to have as many kids as possible. Yeah. That's not our personal, uh, view. So the answer to that, if anytime someone asks me that I say, well, it's not really about the kids. It's about what are those holdups for you? What are the struggles for you? God wants to use everything in your life to grow your faith and trust in him. And so what are you worried about? What are you concerned about? Those are the things you need to attack and to discern and to get out of the way before you decide how many kids you're asking God to bless you? Well, and I was going to say I, that decision is a decision that you make with talking to God about it. It's mm -hmm. not just mm -hmm. like you're making the decision yourself and going with mm -hmm. it um, because obviously God wants us to make wise decisions as well. And sometimes in some situations, that's unsafe to continue just having as many kids, you know? So I feel like when we're making those decisions, we're talking to God about it and just taking one step at a time with him. I love that. That's great wisdom for everybody. Both of you. Very nice. I appreciate that. Um, I'm sure our listeners do too. Okay. So now the common question is, uh, you know, when life is pulling you to apart, how as a couple, are you able to keep it together and keep that intimate marriage? Being intentional and also kind of going back to the same thing as parenting your relationships built, in the ordinary everyday moments. Um, you're not going to repair damage by going on one awesome date. <laughs> That's a good step. And you should do that, but it's in the ordinary moments. And, <clears throat> um, also our life has been for the last two and a half years, extremely different for us with my health. And we've had major shakeup in our schedules. We, during that time, we moved across the country uh, had brain surgery, been in the hospital for two extended periods of times. Uh, I've gone through extensive recovery. And the things that we've done over the last two and a half years have been different than the 14 years before that together um, and been more unique struggles. But the answer is still the same. Your relationship is strengthened in the ordinary moments. And in the ordinary conversations and the ordinary um, forgiveness and asking for forgiveness and sharing your dreams. It's just in the ordinary moment. So for us, that happens at night after we put the kids to bed, getting some time together. I was going to say, I'm asked about this a lot. Like, how do you 
my marriage is struggling when, after I have kids. And the biggest thing is that you, we prioritize our marriage over our kid, like each other over our kids, because our kids need to see that. That's far more important that they see that we love each other first. And then we love them so much too. Um, and the practical side is that we do have a schedule and our kids um, sleep is really important that it's important that they get good sleep. All right. So put them down and then we get our time together at night without the distraction of the kids. But also if it's the middle of the day, we need to talk about something that's important and we can talk about it and the kids understand that we're prioritizing each other. And I think that's good for them because I want them in their marriages one day to prioritize their spouse too. Yeah, we're we're raising our kids to grow up and have their own families, Lord willing, one day. That's on the forefront of your mind. Put my marriage yeah. first so the kids see that. So when they get married, they can emulate that as well. That's excellent advice. Yeah, and I don't want to get to the empty nest stage where we don't even know each other. <laughs> like I, I just did a show on that. I just did a show on the empty nester. And uh, look it up. It's really a good one because we do talk about the childhood years and then what happens now when you're looking at each other going, do we even know each other? So I think that's a great point, Ariel, that you're you're working on your marriage always on the forefront of your mind so the kids can see that. I love a quote that you used once on one of your posts. Um, you know how people jump in and are critical. And sometimes it's so frustrating because the critical ones just seem to stand out. Even though you have a zillion of positive comments, some of those negatory people can really, you know, wane on you and bother you. But I love to quote you used once regarding the occasional social media naysayer. And you said, never judge a person by the chapter you walk in on. And I loved that. Never judge a person by the chapter you walked in on because all things are different. And you went through these challenges, Michael, with your brain surgery, and you were very vocal about it on social media which was a great thing. You wanted to do it, but then other people were just naysayers about the whole thing. So I thought that was a great quote from all of us, for all of us to be able to learn from. I want to talk about your books for a minute, if I could. You've got two books. And the first one I want to talk about is Ariel's book called Chase the Roar, Becoming Faith Chasers in an American Dream Culture. Can you share with us a little bit about that book and what we can expect if we read it? Yeah, um, that book actually came out of one of the hardest years of our lives, um, ministry-wise. Uh, and through that, God just implanted the seed of this idea of chase the roar um, and pursuing a life of faith versus just going off on only the American dream. And I didn't know what he was doing with this idea. At first, I'm like, am I supposed to speak about this more? Am I supposed to do videos about it? And then the book just, one of my friends was publishing a book at the time. She shared with me and God's like, that's it right there. Um, so the idea is for us, we have never made decisions um, in our life to take the next step based on the financial side, the uh, big American dream, um, moving across the country to Montana was a totally faith-based decision. Um, we wouldn't have made it ourselves moving 2,000 miles away from any family we knew, um, going somewhere brand new we had never been before. 
Um, and so through that, the first part of the book, I really just share our story and um, how we got to this point of making these big faith decisions. The second part is more practical and how we do that in everyday life. And so, yes, it's my book, but like half of it is all stuff that I have, we have learned together as a couple or that he has learned too, that I just incorporated in. So, and that the chase the roar share what that means like the oh, bible story yes um it came out of the story of Beniah, who um was one of david's mighty men that went into a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion um so he was chasing the roar and the thing about it is he could have let he didn't have to go after that he didn't have to go after the lion but he went in and the lion has more more grip in a, on a snowy icy day with the claws and everything but he went in there totally trusting and having faith in god and killed the lion himself just a man on his own um and so that's kind of where the idea came from was the story of benaiah and we love lions in our family uh, <laughs> yeah you see back, back there my name actually means lion of god ariel and then uh, all growing up, his parents prayed for them to be lions for Jesus. So it was kind of cool when we met that, that we just had that connection with the lions. I love that. I love it. And got that lion poster right there. Um, okay. Share with us a little bit about the children's book that you guys have come out with. Uh, I thought it was adorable. The illustrations are wonderful. I highly recommend you guys go on and you can go to Amazon to find either of those books or, or wherever you buy your books. Tell us a little bit about uh, the children's book that you wrote together. Uh, the first thing is writing a children's book is harder than you think. <laughs> the hardest <laughs> thing is cutting it down because you have yeah. pictures to tell a lot of the story. Um, so it was a tremendous learning experience, but the most important aspect of it for me was painting the father as a present father. You know, with every edit, there was kind of this uh, su common suggestions about, well, let's have the father fall asleep during the conversation. I'd be like, no, no, the kid falls asleep. The dad's engaged in the conversation. He's not falling asleep first. And the reason is because it seems like everything written about fathers to children is about how their father stinks in some way. He's a loser or he's distant or he's disconnected or he's uninterested. And um, I didn't want to participate in that. So that was really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. It was... Um... It was, it was so much more fun for me than writing my own on my own because we got to do it together. And um, the, the process of it actually is that we, you know, we had each individual character that symbolized a different um, quality that we wanted to share, a different virtue. Um, and then, so we would actually it separately write a little, the section for that and then combine it together. Um, so I, I don't know. I just loved that we could share about virtues and really engage the kids at the same time. And my kids, my kids love it. Their, their cousins love it. Their friends love it. So that was exciting because I wanted, we wanted something that was entertaining, but had a deep message too. 
Well, and it does indeed. And I thought Mary Manning did an excellent job with the illustrations. It keeps you engaged. I could almost see this as an animation uh, little clip that the kids could watch as well. It was really great. Jack in the Fantastical Circus. Friends, please find it. Um, and it's on Amazon. It's on most uh, book sites. It was really adorable. And then Ariel's book, Chase the Roar, um, which again was really a powerful book. Um, I just have a couple more questions before we part. Are you good with that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question. I have a yes. to share. Uh, earlier in the conversation, we're talking about, you brought up a video about where a bunch of our kids said that they wanted to be a pastor. <clears throat> we're not trying to raise pastors. We are trying to raise uh, kids to be adults that are fully committed to Jesus, no matter what they do for their job. And I believe, and I teach my churches that every member in God's family is a minister for God. And, um, so that's really important. It's not more spiritual to be a pastor. The most spiritual thing you can do is obey God. Yeah. And God has given dreams, desires, giftedness, and passion to people that's different. And while I'm super glad that my kids at times say, yeah, I want to be a pastor. The reason that makes me glad is because they see it as a good thing. And and they see what I do as a, as a good thing and not a beat up destruction, lame thing. Um, but I want to see my children live in obedience to God just as much as I want to live in obedience to God today, whatever that is. And, uh, you know, a new thing for me is this is the first time in half, literally half of my life. Um, that I have not been the pastor of a church. So Sunday was my last Sunday preaching. And that has been a tremendous faith step for me. And mm -hmm. stepping into this new thing that God's asked me to do for a period of time, how long, I don't know. And sharing that with my kids and sharing the struggles of why this decision is hard and what I'm excited about. But ultimately, the most spiritual thing anybody can do say yes to Jesus. Are you able to share what your next um, future pursuit is? Yeah. Uh, well, I like to have a word of the year every year. <clears throat> and my word of the year this year is focus. I'm into a whole bunch of different things at very diversified interests. And I have a lot of things on the table right now that I want to do. But the specific thing that I believe God has directed me to do is to start a leadership ministry focused on fathers. And so Ooh. I'm in the very early, I haven't written anything, but I plan on making a, a course this morning, actually, during my quiet time, I, I feel like I, I've got a book plan, but actually, as of this morning, I, I think I'm going to write a father's devotional first, mm -hmm. uh, before the, the plan book. So I love that. we'll see where that goes and what yeah. that means. But um, a couple of my mentors have been deeply encouraging me to pursue this now for um, almost two years. Yeah. And so it's been a process for sure. Well, and it's cool because as soon as he really made the step to say yes, he started having people out of nowhere be like, hey, would you be interested in coming to speak about this here? 
And I'm like, okay, God, you're just confirming after he took that initial step that this is the path. You know, friends, we had a conversation before we taped, and that was one of the things I had already mentioned. So I love how God does that, how he works through all of us. You know, have you thought about writing a book on boys? I love the way that you want to uh, encourage your boys to rise up to be men in Christ. And uh, I just... I just don't think there's enough out there to share with people about the importance of, you know, raising boys who are godly men. So hats off to you. And I'm really excited for you guys. So please tell us as we wrap up here, how can we be praying for you and your beautiful family? I would say one big thing is obviously this change and just praying that God would continue to lead him and me on this path. Um, for me, with being on social media, I'm always asking God, hey, what what do you want me to do to talk to other people more about you or to reach the moms? And I have a lot of ideas and really just, just need to figure out how to get those things out there and how to practically do that. So that's a big prayer. Um, we are building a, a house right now on the same property. We live in a farmhouse that was built in the year 1900 and it's 1700 square feet and we're about to have 10 people there so it's it's tight and the plan was always to build on the property we really bought the property for the land and the future potential um and so we've been building we're hoping it's finished sometime this summer but doing that along with everything else would say that's and having a baby that's exciting having a baby i saw the photo uh that you guys took when you're jumping up and down in your driveway because you were standing on the potential lot how exciting now you had talked about montana and the big move that was but now you've come back to tennessee is that correct yeah i've never lived here before but he did live in tennessee he grew up in tennessee so. so it's good for family. Family is close by and, um, and what a blessing for your kids. And how many acres are you guys on? We're at 27, Al right? Almost 27. Almost 27. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. Okay. So we'll be praying for those items. Um, and I just love what scripture says um, in Psalm 127. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. And I love that. Uh, do you guys have a favorite video that you have that you've taped or done? I don't know if we have a favorite, but um, yeah, our biggest one is our favorite in some ways because <laughs> it had the most amount of people find us that we can yeah. share with. That's brought opportunities like this. Yeah, great, super. Well, there, you know, the editing is amazing. Do you do all that aerial yourself? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, and I do it all on my phone. Uh, <laughs> so I have, I started with one app and then I switched to a, a different app. That's just been a lot better, but I do, I do it all through the app on my phone. <laughs> I know, love it. The kids disappear or you drop them, you know, a kid looks like he's dropping a basketball and all of a sudden a child appears. I mean, they're just adorable. You guys are doing a great job. Friends, I want you to please find them online. Ariel and Michael Tyson, share with us again uh, where on Instagram they can find you. And then the rest of the posts are on there as well. Um, on Instagram, it's at Ariel C. Tyson and then at Michael E. Tyson IV. And then on uh, YouTube, it's at the Tysons. And on TikTok, it's at Ariel C. Tyson. 
And again, you can find their books on Amazon as a starter or elsewhere. Um, how can people reach out to you if they want to have you come speak at their church or at their family event? Um, right now, probably the best way would be to email Ariel's uh, agency, which you can find on her Instagram. Yeah. So that's going back to prayer requests. Um, I have some non-negotiables in this. I don't want to be traveling around the country teaching other people how to be a father and not be present to be a father myself. Mm, good point. Yeah. I'm seeing my travel, but <clears throat> I've only got one uh, trip that isn't even fully booked yet, but I'm planning on taking my kids with me because it's in the summer. Yeah. So that would be the answer yeah, as of today. So that email is ariel at the sociablesociety.com. Great. And Ariel also a very, very good speaker, but same thing. Uh, she's not traveling around. We, we limit that. Uh, yeah, that's a whole new frontier for us. Definitely. Yeah. I love it. And there's nothing like a big Zoom call. They can put, put you on the screens too. We can be creative. Well, yeah. God bless you guys. Thank you for coming on Women's Hot Topics with Sugbury. I really appreciate it. And I know that our listeners do too. And there is blessings, friends, in large families. And you guys had a lot of great wisdom uh, throughout this time that we've had together. And thank you again. We will be praying for you. God bless you. Please come back again. Thank you. Thank you so much. This is Sugbury, friends. You know I love you. Over and out. Hey friends, I hope you enjoyed the show. I can't believe you found us in the myriad of podcasts that are out there. Could you please do us a favor here at Women's Hot Topics with Sugbury? Could you please like, subscribe, write a review? Hopefully it's going to be a positive one. And we have got some great shows coming up. Why do you have to do this? Is because it lifts us up out of the myriad of podcasts to the top. And that's where God is. And that's where I want to be. This is Shug Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.